0: Hi, and thanks for listening to another audio podcast from Creekside Community Church, Narangba, Queensland. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.creekside.org.au. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm just really grateful that we're all still here after hearing me play drums this morning. (laughs) So it's great that you could be here. The Lord says that we have to make... Make a joyful noise to the Lord, not a perfect noise, right? So I don't claim to be a drummer. If there's any other drummers in the room here today, I know you were probably secretly, quietly laughing at me as I had to go. But I had a go, right? The Lord says he wants us to be available. Is that true? And I was available and we needed, had a little need there. And I thought, I'll try and meet it. So I played drums for a couple of songs. Those who missed the first two songs, you didn't miss much, okay? So that's great to see everyone, and uh, let's pray as we come to the, the Word today. Dear Heavenly Father, it's a privilege to be able to speak your Word, and it's a privilege for us to have the Word, and to be able to listen to it, and to be able to think about it. I think probably the greatest thing we can do is think about God, and think about your Word of truth that sets us free, and meditate on it. And see how does it apply to our life and how can it transform us. It's living and active. And as your spirit comes to illuminate that word, to make it alive and real for us and show us each one individually exactly what you want to say into our lives today. Convict us and challenge us. Help us see where tweaks we can make to be more Christ-like things we can do to follow you more effectively so we commit this next little while to you as we look into your word in the book of James and we thank you for that in the name of Jesus amen Um, all right so we're still in chapter two we're a few weeks into this series now and we're still only in chapter two uh, but this book, I was just thinking as I was preparing, this book is just really practical, isn't it? The book of James is so practical. It's like one of those books that helps you find your way when you need wisdom and you need help and you need discernment and you need direction. This book is just like that. The wisdom in James just helps you discern on a day by day how to follow Jesus on a day-by-day basis, what you need to do in your life, on decisions that you need to make in your life. It just is one of those books that helps you take the right direction in life as well. So you need to keep reading it. Who's been reading it along? Is anyone taking out the book sometimes, just read a chapter and, or read a section and just let James get into your spirit. There's some amazing truths in the book of James. It's kind of like having a GPS in a car, um, or our map, iMaps, you know, maps on your phone. It's fantastic because it's like a great tool that will help you know it's a tool, tool of direction and direction it need to do to help you not to get lost. Does anyone remember a few years well, many years back now, the, before the IMAPs and that, we used to have a book. It was called a Refidex. Does anyone remember that? The printed Refidex. You have to buy the new upgrade every year because of all the new roads that were being added. You don't just get the automatic update from Google. You have to actually buy another Refidex every year. We've got the 2012 Refidex and then the 2013 Refidex. It might have even been earlier than that. And we had to buy this. Every, and then remember when you had to find directions to a certain place and while well, you're driving, mind you, we had to look it up in the index, look up the street, and then you had to find the map number and turn to the map number and get the coordinates and go down the X and the Y and find the coordinate. And so oh, that's where I've got to go. Now I've got to trace my way back all the way over this map and turn the page over that map and up to that map. That goes to there and over there. And Does anyone remember doing this? Yeah? And then we finally flip back a few pages to get to the, where I am now. And then I've got to follow the map all the way over to where I want to be all the while while driving, right? Now you get in trouble if you even touch your phone. But the great thing about iMaps is it actually tells you where to go. It not only tells you where to go, you don't even have to think about where you're going because it'll just tell you to turn right here, get in, tells you even what lane to get in. How cool is that? Tells you to do U-turns and get in the right lane and steer left and You know, keep left or whatever. It's just absolutely amazing. And the great thing about iMaps is that it works anywhere in the world. Google Maps works anywhere in the world. So we have all this direction anywhere we are, anywhere in the world, you can use these maps. And that's kind of like what the Bible is. But the Holy Spirit is like the one directing us, and he uses the Word of God anywhere you are in the world, for any situation that you face, for any turn that you need to make, that's like having an IMAP as you're driving, is that's what God does with his Word. And that's what I love about the book of James, especially. It's one of those books that's going to steer you wherever you're at in your life with some amazing, amazing wisdom and giving you direction. Okay. Now, so we know it's practical and it's a real-time book of wisdom. Today, we're going to move into a topic of faith. Everyone say, faith. We all have some level of faith. We have faith in something. Everyone has faith in something. Faith is believing in something and having a corresponding action that goes with it. If you believe in it and something that will react to it or correspond to what you believe in. For example, we have faith that the chair that you're sitting in is going to what? Hold you up. So what do we do? We take an action. We have faith that the chair is going to hold us up, so we will sit down in it. That's our corresponding action. I had faith this morning that my car was going to get me to church. So I got in my car, got my key, pressed the start button. I had faith it would start, although I'm starting to lose faith in my car. My car's getting a little old now. I'm starting to lose faith. I'm not quite as assured anymore that my car's going to get me to where I want to be. In fact, next week, if I don't turn up the church on time, then you, someone send out a search party because I'll be walking up Narengba Road to get to church. So someone come and find me. That's I'm starting to lose faith in the car. I'm not going to take a corresponding action in the car soon. I need to get another car eventually. You see, any time we believe in something with faith, there's going to be a corresponding action showing that we believe in it. Are you with me? I believe in the chair to hold me up, so I sit down. I believe in the car to get me into church, so I'll hit the start button and I'll drive my car. There's a corresponding... And James's passage here is doing that. James's passage is all about having faith being followed by an action. And I could say it another way. I have believed in the name of Jesus as my Lord, as my Savior. I believed in him, the name above all other names. I believe that he is the Son of God, that he died on a cross, that he took my place, that he made a way for me to have eternal life. Hey, I believed that. But that's not enough. It's being followed by Action. And the same is true for you too. At some point, if you haven't already, you're going to trust Jesus. That's why you're here today. You're looking for Jesus. You're investigating who is Jesus. If you haven't trusted him yet as your Lord and as your Savior, that's why you're sitting here. Amen? Amen. We're looking to our Savior. And at some point when you believe in him or trust your life to him, there needs to be a following reaction, a corresponding action to that. True faith is always followed by action for whatever you believe in. What happens is your trust in Jesus, Jesus now belongs inside of you, whatever it is I'm believing, if I believe in Jesus, it starts to change me, it starts to transform me and then it starts to work its way out of my life. There's a corresponding action and this is what James is talking about today and we'll have it up on the screen. In James 2 verse 1 Sorry, 2 verse 14 to 26. I think we could all read it out together. Let's read this passage together. Are you ready? Here we go. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed. But does not do nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, I have deeds. Well, show me your faith without deeds. Oh, here we go. Sorry guys. I went silent all of a sudden, I'm like, why don't you keep reading? <laughs> but someone will say, You have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good! Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person! Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see, a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not Rahab The prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Amen. The Bible tells us that having faith is so important. We read about faith in many different books of the Bible. We read in Ephesians, it says that we are saved by faith. That's most important, hey? To be saved by faith. We read in 2 Corinthians that we must walk by faith. That's pretty important, right? Amen? We must be saved by faith. We must walk by faith. And then we read in Hebrews, it says, it's impossible to please God by, without having faith. Pretty important, right? Faith is very important. In Romans, it says, whatever we do apart from faith is actually described as Sin. Wow, this is a pretty important topic, isn't it? Pretty important, pretty central. So James is hitting this pretty hard here today with this because he wants us to find the balance between faith and works, faith and action, faith and good deeds. And when you're off balance, if you're not on that right balance, it's just not quite right. Have you ever woken up dizzy or maybe you're laying down and you got up too quick and it's like everything's kind of in a spin. Has that ever happened to anybody or is it just me sometimes? You you didn't have enough oxygen in your blood or something happened or maybe you just had too much to drink the night before, right? That's not me. But... That can happen. Maybe you started a new drug and all of a sudden there's some dizziness with that or something. I remember as a kid, you hold a stick up and you spin around as fast as you can and and you go around and around and around. Then you put the stick down and you just like experience that dizziness just for fun, right? Everything's off balance, everything's not right. And James wants us to have that balance. I love balance. In fact, there's a key word in my ministry, and I hope that you'll pick this up over time. A key word in my ministry has been the word balance. I've always tried to be a balanced person in the way I speak, in the way I present, in the way that I am as a person. I love the scripture in John where it talks about how the Father is seeking worshippers who will worship in spirit and in truth. There's a balance between spirit and truth. The spirit is a relationship with God. It's this experience with God. It's like enjoying the presence of God, but the truth is what I base that on. It's having my feet planted on a rock. It's my, my life is based on the Word of God and understanding, having a knowledge of God. I have spirit and I have truth. There's a balance and it's kind of like a fine line down the middle here that I have to walk that tightrope all the way And stay spirit and truth because it says the Father is looking for worshippers who will worship him in what? Spirit and truth. So there's a balance we have to find in life. And it's the same James has here. He says you can't have faith without good deeds. You must have faith with deeds because without it it's dead. It's like there's no balance. It's off balance. Like you're dizzy. It's not right. It's not the way God designed us. He designed us to be balanced people. You need spirit, you need truth, you need faith, you need action. We need to be balanced people. Some churches get off balance. They lose focus on the truth. They just go swinging in the chandeliers and they have no truth. And they make up their own truths, not even based on the word. Some... Some churches based just on truth are so stuck in truth. They've lost the experience with God. No emotion, no connection, no relationship. It's just dead. It's a form of godliness without power. It's out of balance. It's sick. It's wrong. It's not the way the church should be. We have to find that balance, everyone. And if we walk on that balanced tightrope and we're we're just, it's not a pendulum swing. We're not up there one day and then we're over there. No, we're walking a tightrope all the time in our life. Faith and action. Faith and action. Oh, no, oh. You don't want to get off balance, church. And this is what James is talking to us about. James wants us to get the balance right between faith and action. And he wants us to see that for faith to be the way God wants in our lives, that there is a balance of corresponding action in your life. That's the way God designed us. Some of us are more faith-oriented and some of us are more works-oriented. But we need to be both, and that's what James is dealing with here. So let's talk about two types of faith that we can have in our life today. Are you ready? The first type of faith is faith that's what? Dead. Faith that's dead. He says... That sounds pretty dramatic, doesn't it? You can be such a follower of Jesus but not have any actions and he's saying your faith is dead. You know, I come to church every Sunday. i do all the right things but my faith is dead because it's not followed by corresponding actions of my faith. It's dead. I don't like the sound of this. I don't like this because I don't want to have a dead faith. Remember, James is writing to Christians here, those who have faith in God. He's saying that without faith, corresponding action is empty, it's dead, it's useless, it's unbalanced, it's like a bike with one pedal. Have you ever tried to ride a bicycle with just one pedal? I have. You've got to get on the bike because there's no, you don't want to hit your leg on the other side, so you've got to hold one leg out like this, and then on the other side, you've got to push down, and it's like this. Can you do that? <laughs> Trying to ride a bike. And keep the balance, right? It just doesn't work, right? You should try that at home. Do that for 20 minutes. It'll fix everything. No. Ride that bike. But we've got to be balanced. We've got to have two pedals. It's like, well, one's pushing down, the other's going up. And then one's pushing down, and the other's coming up. And it's just back and forth. It's like this. And it's balanced. And James is giving us an example of what an unbalanced life is like. He's saying you he can have lip service, basically. It's just lip service. Gives us an example. We might have lip service with our faith. And so it's in the same breath he's saying, is it okay to just let your brother or sister go without clothes and food? He's just using this as an example. Here's an example, guys. Your brother or sister is there without food or without clothing. He's saying, and what do you, you just say? Oh, go in peace. It's okay. Just go in peace. Be blessed in the name of Jesus. Be faithful. See ya. you see the problem there? There's no fruit, it's just lip service, no fruit in your life. You say you love Jesus, you know that you can come to church, you can sing, you can pray, you can have those little moments with God where the Spirit touches you, it's like, mm. the spine tingles, little goosebumps now and then. But it's just lip service, right? Amen? Because it didn't follow by actions and your brother or your sister was in need and you didn't help them. Because that's where true spirituality, that's where true riches are found, is being available, being a servant, being out there in the world, making a difference, preaching the gospel, changing lives for Jesus. Yes, we come and we worship the Lord, but if it's just that, and we have faith in him, we find him as our saviour, but we don't get out there and make a difference in someone's life. It's just lip service. It's dead. Faith without works is dead. Dead. The two go hand in hand and James goes on with a really dramatic thing he says next. It's a really dramatic way of explaining this. He's he's like, if you haven't heard what I'm saying yet, guys, then get it this way. You're going to get it this time. It's not just dead, but are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? It's as though you've been deceived. He says, you believe that there is one God... Good! Exclamation mark! Great! Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. That's how dead it is. Not just dead; it's deceived. You live the way I'm talking right now—lip service. You are deceived. You think you got faith in God? No. Even the demons have—they know God. They know who God is, but they're deceived. And here's the deal. You can be just like the demons. You can have faith, but without action, it's dead. You're deceived. He's saying, stop fooling yourself. You're deceived. Your faith is dead. No action. You believe in God. That's great. Even demons believe in God. But they're deceived. It's like he's saying, you have knowledge about God, but you don't have the heart change yet. You know, you believe, but he hasn't transformed your life because there's no knowledge. You have knowledge, but no change. Knowledge, but no, you're not a change agent in the world yet. He's saying you know about God, you know Jesus, you believe he died on the cross, and you know you love Jesus. And but if you really did, if you really had a relationship with him built on love, there'd be this corresponding action. When you have faith that's deceived, you have knowledge but no heart. You have knowledge but no relationship full of love where you serve and give and change the world and where this love of God transfers through you and it's a good deed for the people around you. So that's what James is talking about here, faith that's dead. But there's another kind of faith. Amen. It is a faith that is alive, an alive faith, a faith that's active, a faith that's real, a faith that the world can see, a faith that's lived out the way God planned you to live it out, a faith that others can see. Look at this. It says in verse 17, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will what? show you my faith by my deeds i will show you my faith by my deeds my faith is alive it is active it is real you will know that i'm a christian by the way that i love you you will know i'm a disciple of christ by the way that i serve you now that is dynamic faith that is faith that changes people That's faith that changes the world What does it look like? He said, I will show you my faith by my deeds. He goes on to give us a couple of examples so we can see what it looks like. In the past, he used Abraham and he used Rahab as great examples from the past. He says, firstly, you foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? His faith was made complete, it says, by what he did, not just by what he believed. When God had told him to to do this, he needed to go and make a sacrifice. He needed to go and do something. He went to sacrifice his own son. He literally went out, maybe got some servants, went out, got some wood, went up on a hill, started a fire, took his son. He stepped out in faith to do something, to obey God. He had to do something. It was going to cost him something. It was going to sacrifice to do it. He had faith in God. And what God had promised him, the promise that he'd have children that would outnumber the grains of sand out there, that he would be the father of many nations. And he held on to that promise. Even while he had to sacrifice his son, he just went to do it, knowing that God would still fulfill his promise. He had to take a step of faith He had to step out in faith. Now, it would have been the hardest thing in life to do, right? But it was the right thing to do. It was the right step for him to obey God, to step out. Abraham's faith was being tested, but Abraham's faith was made complete, it says. His faith was complete by what he did, not just by what he believed. Abraham had a faith that was alive. These are powerful words, hey? Now, here's the point from what we can learn from Abraham. You need to step out in faith. Where is your step out in faith today? In spite of the cost, in spite of the consequences, in spite of how crazy it seems what God is asking you to do, in spite of all these things, I'm going to go up on that mountain. I'm going to do what you said, God, because you have called me by faith. My faith is not dead. My faith is proven by my actions. It's not just a belief. It's built on what I do. It's an action corresponding to what I believe. And it shows me how I love you and how I obey you. My faith is alive and I have to step out in faith in an area of my life. What is that for you? Remember what it says. I will show you my faith by what I do. When God has changed our hearts on the inside, it makes it its way to the outside. If you're transformed inside your heart, it's going to be seen by your actions outside your life as you step out by faith. Everyone here is facing something in your life that you need to step out in faith. Because God wants us to walk not by, not by might and not by power, but by his spirit. He wants us to walk by faith in his spirit, not in our own strength, not in our own ways. He wants us to walk in his ways, and his ways are higher than our ways. And so he's saying, step up, step out into faith and walk in my ways. My ways are higher than your ways. I want you to walk by faith. It's a different way of living. Let me see your faith by your actions. Live that way, and I'm preaching to myself right now. Now, right here, James then changes focus very quickly. He goes talking about Abraham and starts to talk about a lady. Her name was Rahab, right there in the next breath. And what you may not know is that she was a prostitute. He goes from talking about the patriarch, the father of many nations, the father of his family of Israel. And in the very next breath, in exactly the same way, he speaks about this harlot, this prostitute, this Gentile. She's not even part of the family of Israel. He speaks about Rahab. But here she is. She ends up right here in the scriptures as James talks about her right next to Abraham as someone noted for her faith. He says, In the same way, was not even Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? Joshua 2.9, it says that Rahab said to the spies, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us. She spoke out. Rahab spoke out the truth. She not only stepped out, she spoke out. She took a huge risk by speaking out at that time by faith. But she did it. She used her mouth and she spoke out the words of God. And I'm asking you, I know God is with you. I know God wants you to speak out by faith in your world, in your family. Speak out by faith in your life, in your situation. Speak out. You need to speak out in faith. Some of you automatically focus on the hopelessness of a situation, the negative side of a situation You automatically are right there in the way you think. You need to speak hope into it, the hope of Jesus. You need to pray out loud God's favour over your situation. Pray it out loud like we did before. We spoke Jesus, the name of Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus. We spoke it over anxiety. We spoke his name over depression. We spoke his name over our families. Remember that song? It was a beautiful song. need to speak the name of Jesus. Speak Hope and speak faith. You need to pray out loud God's favour into situations. You need to declare out loud in faith that things are going to get better in Jesus' name. You need to change your mind from doom and gloom all the time and start speaking hope and life and love and abundance into the miracle-working God who is your God, who has saved you and who has filled you with his spirit of abundant life. Don't get too excited, church. <laughs> you need to believe that God is going to work in your life. Amen. It's, it may not seem like it. It may not feel like it. But you need to speak life and speak love and speak healing and speak favour and speak hope and speak forgiveness and speak Jesus over every situation, over every disease, over every relationship, over every heartbreak. Over every circumstance, speak out in faith. Don't just believe in God. Even the demons believe in God. Do something. Step out. Speak out. Start stepping out and speaking out and your faith will come alive. Just start with one step, church. One little step. Just start with one word. One step of faith. One word full of faith. Some of you think it's impossible, and it is. But with God, all things are possible. Some of you think it's over. But with God, what feels like over can be the start of something new. You think it's all done, but God's opening a new door you just don't see it yet i want to remind us that also finally you need to work out your faith we need to step out in faith you need to speak out in faith and you need to work out your faith there's a process to our faith we step out we speak out but that doesn't mean it's going to happen that moment that things are going to change immediately there's a process For our faith to work out. And what I mean is as we step out in faith, as we speak out in faith, we're believing for God to move, we're praying that God will change things, we're trusting and we're realising that nothing's changing. But church, it may not happen immediately. God may have other plans that he wants to work out. We are praying and believing for God's plans, for his purposes to work out in our life and sometimes even the way we speak out it might be a little off track we might not understand fully God's plan but we're speaking out by faith still and God is just going to help us tweak it as we go if you don't speak out to start with even if it's wrong or by accident you say the wrong thing God's looking at our hearts he's saying you're trying to walk by faith that's great let's take you on a journey let's work out your faith it starts somewhere Don't live defeated and stuck. Start to speak it out. Start to live it out. Step it out. And then God will start to move you. He will start to change you. He will start to mature you. That's what it says that James says that Abraham's faith was made complete as he did this. It was a process of becoming complete. And that's what I want in my life. I want his purpose to be complete worked out in my life. We know that the scripture says in Proverbs that many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that will prevail. So I have all these ideas. I want to step out into my plans or I want to step out, speak out into my ideas. But at the end of the day, it's the Lord's purpose that will prevail. It's God's plans. It's his purpose that will prevail over all these things. So I will try and speak out and step out into God's plans, his purpose for my life. We need to work out our faith. So we're going to wrap up here. And I'm going to have Tim come and share it, lead us in communion in just a moment. So in summary, this passage, chapter 2, it says that there are two types of faith. What are they? Dead and alive faith. Very simple. You can remember that. Dead and alive faith. It's saying that faith without works is dead. That's what dead faith is faith that's unbalanced. It's all you have is a belief in God. Even demons believe that. It's dead. It's useless. You're deceived. The other way is, secondly, is to have what type of faith? Alive faith. That's faith with works. That's faith with good deeds. That's faith with actions. That's faith that is balanced. And we have the example of Abraham and Rahab. We saw Abraham father of many nations, had to take a huge sacrifice of his son, had to obey God, what seemed like a crazy thing. But we saw it was his step of faith that made him complete. He didn't just believe, he took action. And then we see Rahab in the same way with the spies. She spoke out and trusted, even though it was a crazy thing for her to do, she spoke out. She took action What do you need to take action in today? What do you need to take action? I want to speak out. I want to step out with one step or with one word. That's for you today. Only you know what that answer is to that. Speak out, one word. Step out, one step. What's the Spirit saying for you to do today? To live by faith. The other side of all this, and this isn't in the Word, but I just feel on my heart, is that works without faith is dead. Works without faith is deceived as well. That's why I'm going to ask Tim to come now and just help us, lead us in communion. We can focus in on our belief in Jesus, focus in on our faith. We don't want to just work for the Lord. We need to build our relationship with him. There's that fine balance right there, okay? So worship team, maybe come up. Tim, come and lead us as we get ready for the Lord's Supper.
1: Thanks. Thanks, Troy. It's very convicting and confronting, but I'm glad I get the the good news of reminding us that, um, like you said just then, Troy, that works without faith is dead. And there's so many passages that we could go to to talk, to remind us of this. And I'll just, um, there's a few that I'd like to read before we just lead into communion and that reminder that it is not our works that saves us, but it is the fact that we're in Christ. And there's a passage where uh, Paul talks about in in uh, Philippians 3 verse 8. It says this, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, consider them garbage, but that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to the, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. What an amazing passage, hey? And that's just a reminder that we are saved not by our works, but by Christ in us. And our works are a response to that. Um, There's so many other passages. I just want to read a few here too. And I'll have these up on the screen so we can reflect on them as well. But in Romans 8, 1 to 2 it says, Therefore, there is therefore no now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ. In John 15, verse 5, it says, I am the vine. This is Jesus' words. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he he it. Is he? Here it is that bear. Here it is that bears fr- much fruit, for apart from me you do nothing. So the fruit comes from Jesus. So all these good works that Troy's talking about it comes from our trust in Him, abiding in Him, and being in Him. And that's what we're reminded of this morning too, with communion. Now we have communion up the front here, and uh, I'm just going to pray for a moment, and we'll have everyone come up and take communion together, and just reminded that we are. Saved by Christ in us. I love that image of the thief on the cross beside, beside Jesus. He lived a life that was terrible. His good works, there were none. But he said, I'm with him. And he was in, in, in heaven with him the next day. And that's just, that's the picture. But our good works comes from a response of what Christ has already done for us. So let's remember that today. Let's just pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much. For your goodness, that what your love flows out of your goodness, your justice throws out of your goodness, we thank you so much that because of your wisdom, that you have made a way for us to be reconciled to you, to come back in a relationship with you because of Jesus, because we are in him. And if we profess belief in him, if we have faith in you, Christ, we will be free set free from all condemnation, free to do the good works that you have prepared and promised us to do. We thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen.